0: Amen. This is such a busy Christmas season and it's crazy how fast that it's coming. Do you realize Christmas is just a couple of days away? In fact, in just like two days uh, on Christmas Eve, we're going to come back together here at River Bend and we're going to have our annual Christmas Eve celebration together. Uh, We're going to do that at 5 p.m. on Christmas Eve. And so I want you to be here. We're going to do candlelight and communion and read the Christmas story together. Most of all, just have an opportunity to worship with your church family. Uh, So make sure you you're back on Christmas Eve. But the fact that Christmas comes so quickly to us as adults is very funny because for children, it just never quite seems to come fast enough. I mean, do you remember when you were a child and it seemed like waiting for Christmas morning took forever, you know? And and even the day before Christmas, into, into Christmas night, I remember the wait was just excruciating. And the reality is, many of you, you're not waiting for Christmas morning that's not what wait is taking so long maybe you're waiting for something in your life maybe a prayer that you've been praying you've been claiming some promises of God and that waiting process that that time between not yet and now is this excruciating time period that we find ourselves in and, and here's the thing waiting is the unavoidable reality that what we cannot have yet just isn't available to us. You know, this, this unavoidable reality that what, what we cannot yet have is, is what we really want. I want you to say these words with me. Ready? Not yet. Not yet. Say it again. Not yet. Aren't those really frustrating words to hear? Like you want something so bad and somebody looks at you and says, not yet. Man, I really want dessert. Not yet. Some of you are like, I really want lunch. And the pastor says, not yet. Got like nine pages of notes, right? The distance between what you want, right? Not yet and now can be really tough for us. And it's why we weave in and out of traffic. You know, we can just, we we won't, we're not there yet. So we, we do everything we can to get there as fast as we can. How many of you weave in and out of traffic? You're that person. How many of you are that person when the line to get on to 540 or 440, everybody is polite waiting, but you like gun it all the way down to the bottom and like try to merge in in the gap. Anybody? Anybody hate us? Yeah, right? We that people, right? Because we just can't handle the waiting. It's why when we're at Walmart, pff, that's funny, when we're at Target, um, we, we watch the lanes, right? And we're constantly judging. Did I get in the right lane? Does anybody do that? You count where you were? I, I do that at the drive-thru. I'll go to Bojangles, and, and I look at where i I would have been in the drive through line, but I run inside and try to beat that car around. You know, we just, we're constantly in this struggle of not yet. How many of you hate when you call Domino's and you hear this? Domino's pizza, can you hold? Do you just want to scream? Like, no, I can't hold. I, I, I don't want to wait because waiting is so difficult. And here's why. Waiting robs us of control. And control is the one thing that we love more than anything else. We're big Disney fans, and Disney gets it. They know we hate waiting. And that's why when you walk up to a ride, there is this sign that says the wait from this point is four days. <laughs> you know, like from this point forward, you're going to wait four days. And it's Disney, so it's worth it. But wouldn't it be nice to have signs like that in your life? You need a spouse. Wait time, six months. You you want your kids to to get it all together and figure it out? Wait time, not gonna happen. (laughs) You you really want a new job? Wait time, 18 months. Wouldn't it be nice? It'd be easier to wait if you just knew how long that you were actually going to have to wait. But it's frustrating because waiting is hard. It's the space between not yet and now. And here's, here's the problem with this. That empty space reminds us that there's a chance, even if just a slim chance, there's a chance that it just might not happen. I've said for years, I think the biggest enemy of the dreams that are in our heart is time. And the more time that passes, the more that lingering suspicion of what if this actually doesn't happen? That's why the book of Proverbs says this, heart, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. And some of you in this room are watching online, you're waiting and the not yet is killing you. You're waiting on a relationship, and you're lonely. You're waiting to finally hear you are pregnant. You're waiting on a new job to help relieve this financial burden and tension that you have. You're working on your marriage, but this season is hard. You're battling a physical sickness or some anxiety in your heart, and the not yet is driving you insane. When I was in college... I took a PE class every semester. It was kind of my break from the hard course load. And so I took racquetball and I took... I actually took a running class, which was hilarious, you know, uh, I, I took a tennis class and a golf class, none of which helped my games at all, but I took these classes, it was just this nice break, so we were, it was UNCW, it was Wilmington, the beach is there, and I grew up watching Baywatch, and so I thought, you know what, I should be a lifeguard this summer, it'll be amazing, and so they had a lifeguarding class at UNCW, so I took this lifeguarding class, and, and the day I walked in, I, I, I wasn't saved really good at the time, and all these people were, in swimsuits and I thought this is the greatest class ever like this is awesome and again I wasn't saved real good and 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 the professor said this he said all right everybody into the deep end of the pool you're going to tread water while I walk through the syllabus Now, if you know anything about college classes, the worst day of class is the first day. It's the day where everybody goes through this really large book of expectations of things that you can expect in that class. And sitting in class when you're bored out of your mind, that's one thing. Being in the deep end of a swimming pool, treading water while this is happening is another experience altogether. I had to be rescued from lifeguard in class. I'm a pretty good swimmer, but just treading water for a long period of time, it was absolutely exhausting. I felt like I was drowning. And as soon as the class was over, after I went into the restroom and threw up, I ran across the parking lot to registrar and I drop this class and 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 the registrar looked at me and she said you have 18 hours and she's looking at my course load and she's like and this is the class that you want to drop I'm like yes I almost died (laughs) okay and and maybe you feel like that like you're just treading water in the middle of the season of your life but you feel like you're drowning in the waiting the season of not yet and when we stay in this season long enough here's what happens we get tired we get frustrated Some of us, we have this temptation to no longer trust or to stop believing or or we decide that we just don't want to wait any longer. And so here's what we do. We get stupid and then we try to take matters in our own hands as if we could do a better job with this in the first place. Now, in the Old Testament, God's own people were struggling with this tension for hundreds of years. The children of Israel, they found themselves captive by a foreign government. They were living in a land that used to be theirs, but it had been taken from them. And so 400 years pass from the last book of the Old Testament to the New Testament. Okay, for you when you're flipping through your Bible, the page between the Old Testament and the New page, it's just a turn, right? There's no waiting. It's a split second from one season to the next. But for those people 400 years of waiting for God's promises to be fulfilled. And during that time, the distance and the space between the not yet and the now, in that season where God seemed to be silent in the middle of that tension and frustration... Those people waited for a promised Savior to be born that would change their situation but would also change their life. And then there's three words. We've been using this song that the band sang earlier, Oh Holy Night, kind of this classic song to to guide us through the Christmas story. And we've been looking at lyrics in this song uh, all month. But there's three words in that song that changed everything. Long lay the world in sin and never pining. What's the next words? Here they are. Till he appeared. Those three words. Till he appeared. When Jesus showed up, it changed everything. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying when Jesus shows up in your situation, it changes everything. And the birth of Jesus took humanity from not yet to now. Now, in in Luke chapter 2, there are two really cool encounters that are in this Christmas story that we don't really pay very much attention to. In fact, there's two two people that are in this story that we never even mention. And if I say their names, they don't mean much to you, but we're going to dive in today so you understand what we're saying. But the two people are Simeon and Anna. Simeon and Anna. If I said, what do they have to do with the Christmas story? Most of you would go, I have no idea. I think they're misplaced. They don't belong here. But look at Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Eight days after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph take Jesus to the temple to be blessed. So that's where we are. Eight days after Jesus is born, it's time to take Jesus to be dedicated at the temple. And that's where we pick up. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. And he was righteous and he was devout. And, and look at this. He was eagerly waiting. He was in that moment that many of you were in experiencing the tension between not yet and now. He was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And verse 27 says, That day the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, Simeon was there. And he took the child in his arms, praised God, and said, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He, Jesus, is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon had waited for this day for so long. This Messiah would come and set everything right. He was waiting for Jesus to fix the injustice of the world. No more deceit. No more violence. No more broken families. No more broken relationships. And he trusted in that promise of God so much that when he held baby Jesus in his arms, his response was, you can just let me die in peace now. That was the first encounter. But here's a second. Anna, a prophet verse 36 says, was also there in the temple. She was the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher and she was very old. Her husband died when they had been married only seven years and then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but she stayed there day and night worshiping God with fasting and prayer. Here's what I want you to see. She's in this season of waiting. She's in this tension of not yet. Like she needs God to speak and she needs God to answer. And day after day, she's waiting for that response, but she doesn't get it yet. But what does she do? She doesn't give up. She doesn't get frustrated and say, I'm going to get stupid and take it in my own hands. This God thing isn't working for me. This faith thing isn't working for me anymore. So I'm just going to go try something else. What does she do? Day after day after day, she falls down on her knees and she worships God with prayer and fasting. And she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. She talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. If anybody needed Jesus, it was Anna. 84 years of hurt and pain. If anybody knew the pain of waiting, it was Anna. If anybody knew how much humanity needed a savior, it was Anna. If anybody knew how bad things needed to change, it was Anna. And then on that day, waiting gave way to reality. And her not yet became now because she refused to give up on God. And if we're honest, there are some people in this room, you feel like you were moments from giving up on God but despite what you see and despite the silence that you think you hear, God has not given up on you. And your situation is not without hope. Your life is not without hope. Don't you dare give up. Here's the point. Expect God to move. Trust Him in the process. Trust His process. And watch your faith begin to grow. Here's what I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that the moment that Jesus showed up, everything changed. I wish I could tell you that for Anna and Simeon. Like the day that Jesus showed up. The day that they held the Messiah in their arms. I wish I could tell you that bam, everything just went, went wonderful. And it was perfect from that day forward. But let's be honest. Think about it. Even though Jesus came, even though they had hope, their circumstance didn't really change a whole lot. Rome was still in charge. Rampant injustice still happened. Orphans were in the street yesterday. They're still in the street today. Widows are still undefeated or undefended. Greed and jealousy are still running the day. Like what what really changed for them? Here's what changed. This baby, this life, Jesus, turned their not yet into now, and what he did was gave them the thrill of hope. I wish I could tell you that that you 're waiting. Is over. I, I wish I could tell you that this season is coming to wait time, like 30 minutes. If you'll if you just respond when I finish this message. If you'll just come to this altar and pray, then, then all of a sudden everything's going to be different for you. I can't tell you that. But here's what I can tell you. Now God is here. Because of Jesus, now I'm not alone. Because of Jesus, I now have hope. Because of Jesus, I can now go on. Because of Jesus, I can now face this situation. Because of Jesus, I can stand on my feet before you today. Because of Jesus, I have peace in the middle of some really dark situations. Expect God to move. Trust him in the process and watch your faith grow. I wish I could tell you That if you just put your faith and trust in Jesus, you always have the answer. That it'll always be easy. But nowhere in scripture do I see that. I just know that he promises to be with us in the middle of it all. I just know that he can still be trusted and that he's still good. Even though we don't always get the reports that we want. We've had a tough week. For those of you who don't know, my, my wife is been battling cancer and, and it came back in June and, and, and we did the brain surgery thing and, and we've done the radiation and the chemo and, and doing all of that stuff. But we're on the backside of that, you know? Um, I told my kids Monday morning, we sat at the, the kitchen, the, the bar in the kitchen and we just kind of eating breakfast and, and this is what I said to them. I said, guys, we just got to make it through the season. I you know it's been hard. Um, but but February's coming, and they told us that, that in February, we, we'd probably be able to stop those treatments. Mom's gonna be stronger, and she's gonna, she's gonna get better, and, and it's gonna be good. That was Monday morning. Just gotta get through February. And Monday morning, Marianne had her quarterly scans. She has to do that now till Jesus comes back, Literally. Well, we did that three months ago and everything was good. We celebrated and we cried in that room and thanked Jesus that everything was good. But on that Monday afternoon, uh, we sat in that exact same room with that exact same doctor and all of a sudden this scan shows new lesions that have popped up and more spots that led to more tests and more scans and more spots and more places and and, and now we started radiation all over again and realized that the chemo that we were doing wasn't exactly working the way that we thought it should. And so now we're having to figure out a different course of action. It's been a tough week. But I stood on the stage last week and we talked about falling on our knees and worshiping Him despite what we see happening around us. And I boldly proclaim to you that I would fall down at his feet despite what I see because I don't have any other plan. And the reality is, we don't need one. But the thing about it is, it's easy to have that kind of bold faith when everything's going pretty well. When the reports are good. When the scans are clear. When you've got money in your account to pay your bills. When your kids are living right and everything's going good. It's easy to make bold faith proclamations. But when you're in the fight of your life, it's different. I had a mentor speak over my life a few days ago. And my son did a, um, a speech at school. And his topic of his speech was, was, was pain has meaning. All pain has meaning. And I texted him and I said, man, somebody just spoke this over me. I think it would work perfectly in your Speech, and, and, and this is what it said. It said, This is my response in troubling times. In my, in my crisis of faith moments, here's my response three bold, bold proclamations. I believe that God can. I will pray that He will. And I will trust Him even if He chooses not to. And it's easy to believe that He can. And it's easy to pray that he will. And I'm learning it is very difficult to trust him when you don't see him responding the way you think he should and the timetable that you think he should. Why am I saying all this? Because you have your story and you feel the exact same way. Maybe your situation is different, but the result of is the same. You're struggling to put your faith and trust in God. But here's what I know He loves you and he loves me despite what you do. His love for you and his love for me, it is so unconditional. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. It doesn't matter how many wrong things that you've done. Jesus just loves you. His love is unconditional. So why should my response to him be anything other than that? How lame is it for me to say, I love you back, God, as long as you don't let me down. God, I put my faith and my trust in you as long as you work the situation in the way that I think that you should. In the timetable that I think you should. I would argue that's not, that's not really faith. That's you putting your faith and trust in God as long as he does what it is that you want him to do. We've got to be able to put our faith and trust in Him despite what we see happening around us. Every Sunday morning, we've got a text thread at the staff, and and Stephanie does a really good job of of, of encouraging our staff even before we walk into Sunday morning. And this is what she wrote to us this morning, and I use this with her permission. Jesus is my hope. Jesus is my everything. Everything. I don't have a backup plan and I don't need one. This week I was reminded that God deserves our trust no matter what our eyes can see, our hearts can understand, or our minds can predict. Is it easy? No, not always. But is it much better than the alternative? Yes. And is it worth it? Yes again. And when I find myself frustrated, tired, or impatient, I want to lean even more into prayer, not away from it. I know when I talk to him, his response is always guidance and grace. It's not always as clear or as quick as I would like, but he gives it in perfect way and time nonetheless. I want to operate in joy and gratitude and all I do. And God, he is the source of both. So today, let's remind people of this in all we say and do. No matter how we currently feel, we know that He is God. And that He is faithful and He's working even when we don't see it. A light that cannot be extinguished in whatever darkness we face. He's a comforter and a conqueror. He's a friend and a father. He is good. He is good. I know you're waiting, but He is good. I know your answer hasn't come yet. He's good. I know you feel like you're staring defeat in the face. He is your victory. And He is working even though you and I are waiting. He is a God who loves you and He is a God who can be trusted. I see it happening all around us. We got this great letter from our school that we meet at right here at River Bend. Um, so many of you responded to our angel tree and, 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 and responded to meeting the needs of, of the students and the families that are in this school. And it was life-giving. Because the people that you ministered to, all you saw were names and, and, and maybe some needs and, and, and even some wants. All you saw were those things. You didn't get to see the waiting that's on the other side of those requests. You didn't get to see the person that was in the middle of the fight and that was in the middle of the wait. But here's the letter that we got this week. It says the Riverbend Middle School family would like to say thank you, North Park, for your support this year. We would not have been able to supply some Christmas gifts for so many students and their siblings. This year is the most students we have, have ever been able to assist with at Riverbend, And that means a lot of children will wake up on Christmas morning with gifts specifically picked out for them by you. The families of Riverbend Middle School were so grateful. She said, I'd like to share one story that really touched us this year. Over all my years of being a social worker, this year has been the most rewarding. When the families were asked to give needs and a want from their children, I I did not tell them in advance that they would also receive gift cards for their family because I wasn't sure that every family would be able to receive one. But this one family in particular, a mother called a few weeks ago looking for some resources. The family had been bouncing from hotel to hotel since the beginning of school. I take the family food once a month and provide them whatever resources I can, and I called the mom to let her know that I would be dropping off her daughter's gift. I prayed, and I prayed about what gift cards to give what families to make sure that they were going to get exactly what they needed. Every family was able to receive at least one gift card between all of the donors, so thank you. Although this family is small with just a daughter and a mother, I just felt that they could use the $100 gift card. They were differing amounts. When I arrived at the hotel and gave the mother the gift for her daughter, she started crying. And she said, thank you so much. I did not think I would be able to get her anything this year. I told her that the church that sponsored the students was able to do a little additional for the families, and I handed her the envelope. And I said, this is a $100 gift card for you to get whatever you and your daughter need during this year. The mother dropped the gift, and she started thanking God for this blessing. She said she had been praying because she was a couple of days behind paying for the hotel. And the mother hugged me and would not let go. I honestly was lost for words, and I couldn't help but cry with her. She didn't tell me she was behind and paying for the hotel before I gave her the gift card, but God knew. And I am just grateful for your church that you were able to reassure this mother that all she has to do is have faith that God will work things out. What was she saying? She was saying there are people who are living life and they're in the middle of the waiting and what you did was remind somebody to expect God to move, trust Him in the process, and then watch your faith grow. It's easy to say it. It's easy to write it down. I know it's altogether different living it out. The beginning of of 2019... Um, We picked out a a word for the year. I I like to do that. I like to choose a a word for, for each year and it just kind of becomes the theme and the focus for the year. My word for 2019 was expectant because there were so many things that I expected to see God do in my life. And I wanted to see him do things in your life and in this church family i was praying this past week and i i I, I found myself just being a little bit critical and 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 being frustrated at god and and i i said to him in in some very vulnerable moments of 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 being real with god because he can handle that um god this isn't the year i expected when i prayed in 2018 for 2019 to be this incredible year I didn't expect that we would spend the majority of this year fighting. It didn't turn out like I expected. But here's what I've discovered. Even when life doesn't turn out the way you expected, He is Emmanuel and He is God with you. And He is just as close as the mention of His name. And there are some days where I don't know anything else but to do but call out His name. There are some days I don't feel like I have the words to even pray. There are some days where I even think to myself, I hope somebody's praying because I don't really have the strength to do it right now. And there are some days where I rely on the strength of your prayers. It's okay we have days like that we have to recognize today that even in the waiting between the not yet and now that we can trust him we can expect him to move we can trust him in the process and we can watch our faith grow and here's the great news here's the great news about it all it's not over yet it's not over fight's not over your situation's not over even though your waiting's not over man the pen is still in his hand and he is still writing your story and this chapter or this spot in the story this this moment of time feels like it's taking forever I asked my wife, I said, baby, is it Friday yet? And she said, honey, it's only Tuesday. It's the longest week we've ever experienced. The tension in the waiting is hard. But let's just be honest. I don't like the tension in any situation. We watched a lot of Christmas Hallmark movies yesterday, like three. Three because my wife has a crush on Andrew but other than that I like Hallmark movies but there's always that moment of tension and it happens at the same point in every Hallmark movie because they're always the same just a different guy in a different bakery but they're always the same and I looked at Mary when the tension happened that moment where the other guy showed up and Am I interrupting anything? Yes, you're interrupting the love story. Go back. You know, it's like in that moment, like the tension enters the scene. And I looked at Marianne and I said, can you just fast forward it? And she said, why? I said, because I don't want to feel the tension. Let's just get to the story where they kiss and it ends. How many of us would love to have the remote control in our hand and fast forward through this tension in the story to get to the part where we know it ends well. But here's what I believe we'd miss. We'd miss out on some of the most amazing moments with Jesus. Because here's what I'm discovering. In the moments of tension and waiting, His peace is more real to me than I've ever experienced in any other season of my life. someone sent a message last night and this is all it said the most challenging parts of your life become the most powerful moments of your story this season that you're waiting the challenging part of your life becomes the most beautiful part of your story would you stand with me